In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to reflect upon the Sunday Mass readings. Well, today is the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, but a special feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary takes precedence. So the scripture readings that we hear on this Sunday are the readings for the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That feast is celebrated annually on the 15th of August, and that happens to fall on this Sunday. And so we won't hear the Sunday readings, but we'll be hearing the readings from the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's a beautiful way that the church through her liturgy reminds us of the role of Mary in our salvation history, the role that Mary takes us directly to Jesus. I love that phrase, to Jesus through Mary. And so these Marian feasts that the church recognizes throughout the year, one of them is the Feast of the Assumption. We'll hear a little bit about what that means today as we reflect on these readings and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And throughout the year, we have opportunities to reflect upon our Blessed Mother and to invite her to take us closer to her son, Jesus Christ. I thought it would be very appropriate to pray a beautiful prayer that we pray every day in the prayer of the rosary. I hope that those of you watching and listening to this are a daily prayer warrior and you pray the rosary on a regular basis. And if you don't yet, I would invite you to consider picking up that rosary and to continue to pray and to reflect upon the gospel, reflect through the eyes of Mary, the life of Jesus Christ. The Hail Holy Queen prayer is one of those prayers we pray in the prayer of the rosary. So let us pray the Hail Holy Queen together as we celebrate this beautiful feast day of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we prepare to proclaim the word of God and to reflect upon the word and invite the Holy Spirit to make that word alive in our lives today, to to have it catch us on fire, that we will share the goodness of Jesus Christ through his word, let us pray this prayer before reading sacred scripture. Lord, may your sacred scripture be my delight. 
Let me praise you for all the truths I discover in these sacred books. Help me to listen to the voice of the spirit. Refresh me as I meditate on the wonders of your law. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the readings for this Feast of the Assumption include the Book of Revelation, the Psalm 45, a letter to the Corinthians from St. Paul, and we hear a beautiful reflection from the Gospel of Luke, which ties right into this Feast of the Assumption of Mary. A reading from the Book of Revelation. God's temple in heaven was opened, and the Ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert, where she had a place prepared by God. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his anointed one. The word of the Lord. The responsorial psalm. The queen stands at your right hand, arrayed in gold. The queen takes her place at your right hand in gold of Ophir. The queen stands at your right hand, arrayed in gold. Hear, O daughter, and see, turn your ear, forget your people and your father's house. The queen stands at your right hand, arrayed in gold. So shall the king desire your beauty, for he is your Lord. The queen stands at your right hand, arrayed in gold. They are born in with gladness and joy. They enter the palace of the king. The queen stands at your right hand, arrayed in gold. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead came also through man. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life, but each one in proper order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has destroyed every sovereignty and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he subjected everything under his feet. 
the word of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Mary is taken up to heaven, a chorus of angels exalts. Alleluia, alleluia. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That beautiful account of the Magnificat is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. And again, as we celebrate this feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a couple of things that I wanted to just reflect upon in reading over the, these readings, hearing some of the different homilies and reflections of the Feast of the Assumption, you know, what is what do we learn from Mary and what can we learn from her example? And, and we get to see this, this time in Mary's life where she just receives the invitation from God through the messenger of an angel that she will bear God, the son of God, Jesus, that she has been invited through her own free will to say yes, or to say no to received by the power of the Holy Spirit, the incarnation, Christ being born in her. And she says, yes, she says a fervent yes. Whatever the Lord wants of me, Mary is joyful and willing to say yes, not to think about the cost or the consequences or where is this going to take me? But she simply trusts in God's invitation and says yes. And so as we enter into this part of the scripture, she is immediately said yes. And so instead of, oh, you know, with this great news, what does she do? But she immediately goes to serve. And so she has received in her womb now, Jesus. She has Jesus present in her womb at this time. And so when she is one with Jesus, 
when she encounters Jesus's true presence within her, what does she do? She serves, she offers, she gives, she, she shares the joy. And so she goes immediately to her cousin Elizabeth. So she learns through the angel of Elizabeth's situation of also being pregnant, a, a somewhat miraculous pregnancy because Elizabeth being older wasn't expected to be bearing a child at her age. But she hears that God is doing marvelous things in both of these women. And so she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, to take care of her, to be with her, and to really bring the presence of Jesus Christ to Elizabeth. And what does she do? We hear Mary's beautiful prayer that we call the Magnificat. And all that Mary is doing is in praise of God, is in recognition of God, is in giving all the glory to God. It's not in being concerned or worried or, or I wonder how this is going to turn out in, in any kind of questioning or doubt, but my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord that in this incarnation, that she has received through the power of the Holy Spirit. She's full of grace. There's no room for anything other than grace in Mary's life, in her body and soul, that her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. Some people might criticize us in honoring Mary and having a devotion to Mary and thinking that she doesn't need a Savior. And, and why are you why are you honoring her in such a way? She doesn't believe that she doesn't need a savior. She needs a savior. God is her savior. Her son is her savior. Mary is the mother of God. And she has looked with favor on this lowly servant. She is so humble. And while she doesn't realize or, or understand completely why she would be chosen by God, for this one and only purpose of carrying the Lord, carrying the presence of Jesus Christ, she is all about praising and giving glory to God. And that's all that comes out in this Magnificat. And so Mary chooses to be grateful. And I think this is a beautiful lesson that we could learn in honoring this special feast day of our Blessed Mother and looking at this time of her life, the assumption when her earthly time was done, God assumed her into heaven, took her up into heaven, that it was fitting that her body wouldn't decay, that she would be taken full body and full soul and spirit into heaven at the appointed time when God said that this was the end of her earthly life. But during her earthly life, she chose to be grateful. She chose to praise God in all things. And I think that that is something that I like to take from the Blessed Mother and, and try to apply in my own daily life is, am I following in Mary's example of praising God and in all circumstances? Because certainly in her situation, of being uh, pregnant before fully uniting with Joseph. Now they were already betrothed. They were already husband and wife, but it would have been very unusual for her to already be pregnant. And so there would be a lot of scandal that could come 
from Mary's situation. And of course, we know of the trials and tribulations that she and Joseph faced when they uh, traveled and were trying to keep Jesus safe. But yet she never questioned those trials or difficulties, but always kept a joyful spirit, always as we hear Mary pondering in her heart that she just placed all of her life in her heart and entrusted that to the Lord because she was full of grace. She had the Holy Spirit in her. We have the Holy Spirit in the sacraments through our sacrament of baptism. We're initiated into the church. We have that Holy Spirit with us as we ponder the, the good times and the bad times in our own lives those difficulties, those sorrows, those questions that we have with relationships, with our vocation, with how am I supposed to live my life, that we can ponder like Mary in our hearts, but we can also choose like Mary to be grateful. And what does Mary remind us of? Is she reminds us, she reminds me in this of the presence of Jesus. Because what happens here? We hear in the scripture that uh, Elizabeth's response, when Mary comes to see her, Elizabeth is already pregnant with John, John the Baptist, for let's say six months, we hear. And Mary, excuse me, Elizabeth says, For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. And so Elizabeth is recognizing that as soon as there is the recognition of the presence of Jesus Christ in their midst, that John in the womb recognized the presence of the Lord and he leapt. In fact, the word, uh, Father Paul at All Saints mentions that word of joy is similar to something like dancing or just this, this huge amount of joy and leaping, that there is such intense joy in John as a infant in the womb. He recognized the presence of God. Isn't that one absolute proof of the sanctity and dignity of the unborn. Yes. And to show us that in the presence of God, in his real presence, we have his true presence in the tabernacles of all of the world. In the Holy Eucharist, we have the presence of Jesus. But here was Mary and Elizabeth bearing John and Jesus. And there's such an intense joy. There's such an intense recognition of life that this joy is contagious. Mary takes the joy to Elizabeth and in her womb, John receives that joy, completely responds to the joy of Jesus by this dancing in the womb. And so what can we take from that? That we can take the joy of Jesus like Mary, wherever we go. We're not living tabernacles per se, like Mary was, but when we consume Jesus, when we eat Jesus, when we take him body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, we take that joy out into our daily lives, in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the work that we do, in our ministries, in our volunteer work, whatever that might be. When we receive Jesus, we can take that joy out into the world and be like Mary. 
and we share that joy with others. Mary reminds us too, to not live in fear. It would have been very humanly natural to have a fear, to have a worry, to have a concern with the life that she would be living, being the mother of God. We can't even imagine it. But she is a woman who lives a life of hope. She is the complete model of hope. Hope for the resurrection, hope for eternal life, a hope that is always Christ-centered. Everything about Mary is Christ-centered. One of the reasons why we love in the Catholic Church Mary is because she is centered on Jesus Christ. Everything that we do in our prayer life, in our liturgy, in our family life should be centered on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, three in one. And Mary reminds us through her bodily assumption that God would choose to take Mary, body, flesh, and spirit at an appointed time away from the apostles, away from the spreading of the good news and take her to her next season in life, which would be what the coronation, the next uh, beautiful feast day we'll celebrate for Mary comes up on the 22nd of August, the celebration of the coronation of the blessed Virgin Mary, queen of heaven and earth, that the assumption looks to Mary's new role in our lives to take care of the people here on earth, to take care of God's holy children. There's a cute little story that was shared this weekend, and it's a little story about heaven. And Jesus is walking the streets of heaven, and he's looking around, and he notices people that he doesn't think are supposed to be there. In fact, they're not supposed to be there. And so he goes up to Peter, who is at the gates of heaven, and he says, Peter, I think you're missing out on your job here. You're not quite doing it correctly because I see people here that aren't on the list. They're not supposed to be here. And Peter said, I understand that Lord. And I tell those people to go away, but what they do is they go around to the back door and your mother lets them in. And again, it's this beautiful thought that Mary through her intercession, do whatever he tells you. You know, at the wedding feast of Cana, we, we see Mary as the one concerned for the family, for the new bride and her husband, that she doesn't want any disgrace to be held by that family. And all of a the sudden, they realize the wine is being run out and they still have a lot of parting to go. And it would be such a disgrace for that family if they would run out of wine. And so Mary goes to her son, Jesus, because she knows the power in her son. It wasn't proclaimed publicly yet. He was still early on in deciding when this public ministry would begin. But Mary knew, I'm going to ask my son to help in this situation. And of course, she goes to the wine stewards and says, do whatever he tells you. And Mary is that beautiful intercessor. Mary is the one we go to when we just have such difficulties that we just need to put our heart out. And sometimes we just need to go to a loving mother. And so not all of us have our mothers here in, on, on earth anymore. Maybe some of us don't have good relationships with our mothers, but regardless of your relationship with your own birth mother, we have 
a relationship with our Heavenly Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And everybody has access to our spiritual Mother Mary. And she will help us see the way to Jesus Christ, her son. One of the things that I really reflect upon in this feast of the Assumption For those of you who live in the Pacific Northwest, you might be familiar with the place called the Grotto. It's the national sanctuary of our Sorrowful Mother, and it's the shrine dedicated to Our Lady uh, under the title of Our Sorrowful Mother. And there's a beautiful chapel of Mary there on the grounds in Portland, Oregon. And when I left my work position of over 18 years in Catholic radio, I spent several months in discernment and in prayer and in quiet time. And I sat in that chapel of Mary and there's a beautiful, beautiful depiction of Mary and her coronation above the altar. And it's Mary being crowned queen of heaven and earth with the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. And I just love that image of Mary. And in, in time of prayer and contemplation, When you think about the coronation, you have to think about the assumption. Those two events in Mary's life are really central. The moment when Mary was taken into heaven, fully body, fully spirit, some some of the church calls this the dormition or the sleeping of Mary, um, that her body did not decay, that, that it wouldn't be fitting for her body to decay, that that the Lord would take her body and soul into heaven for the next purpose of the coronation that she would, she would spend that time caring for the people, God's people as queen of heaven and earth. And as I was thinking about a transition in my own life of leaving a ministry that I'd spent much of my life in and wondering, what do I do now? I started to reflect upon what was that like for Mary to have so much time to be with the apostles, to watch her son, not only to be crucified, but then to see the resurrection, to see the descent of the Holy Spirit, to see that the the church would start to grow and the apostles would start to gain this courage and this confidence only by the power of the Holy Spirit to go forth and to spread the good news. And she was there to encourage those apostles early on in the ministry. And we hear that for a time she she lived with John and John would take care of her in Ephesus. But there was a moment when the Lord decided that here's the next step for Mary, that he would assume her into heaven. And there are transitions in our lives, transitions in our lives when we lose a loved one, when we lose a job, when we lose maybe a particular ability due to a health situation, when we age, when we move, when we take on our vocation and live it through. There are so many transitions and seasons in our life that I think that Mary, at least for me, can be that hopefulness that in this new season, While I may not understand it, uh, whether we lose a career, we lose a job, we lose a spouse, we lose a child, we lose a faculty, an ability because of a particular illness. We have financial losses. We have many different losses. And yet, if we hold steady to the hope that Mary represents, the hope of our joy is Jesus, that in that transition of new life, there's a new hope. So even if there's a a, a dark step in front of us, 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. That Jesus is the light that will move us through those unknown seasons, those times where there's difficulty, those times where I have an unknown. When I was sitting in that chapel of Mary, wondering what's going to happen next, Lord, where, where am I going to go? I don't know where to go, but all I know is you. I trust in you. And I look to Mary to guide me to, to be that sign, that model to be Christ-centered, to be hopeful, to be full of gratitude. Thank you for what you've given me. Help me to continue to give each and every day of my life. So that when Mary's earthly life was done, when our earthly life is done, may we follow Mary and being with Jesus in heaven. These transitions, these new seasons in our life, when things may seem unsure, unknown. May they be times of opportunity to grow, to grow in deeper trust of the Lord, to grow in deeper devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, because Mary will be the one, Mary will be the one to help us get through those difficult times. And you know who will help her as well? St. Joseph. What a guide, what a comforter. St. Joseph as the spouse of Mary was in her earthly life as in this heavenly life that we can call out to St. Joseph and our blessed mother for guidance in times of difficulty, in times of strife, and also in times of joy and celebration in our lives and in our faith. So let us call out to Mary and recognize that in her assumption, she provides for us the great hope, the great hope that we all will have to be body and spirit with the Lord Jesus Christ, with our heavenly father and our heavenly mother forever and ever. Glory be to the father and to the son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Well, may you have a joy-filled week as we enter into the 20th week in ordinary time. God bless you and may God give you his peace. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.